0: Welcome back to our growing experiment. We're here with Liz from the Nickel Refillery. She's going to tell us a little bit about her business and what she's doing, how she got into it. Uh, So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah. So I am one of the founders of the Nickel Refillery here in Sudbury, Ontario. Uh, It was really a business model that was born from wanting to do more and wanting to develop essentially a toolkit for people to reduce waste, Um, things that I myself couldn't find locally or, you know, anywhere within this area. Um, It really, really is what drove it to happen. Um, There were a number of people who came and went and still are here that have helped develop it. Um, And yeah, it's, it's, it's really just about the idea of wanting to do more and, um, wanting to reduce single-use plastic, like that was always the goal, and it's grown into something even bigger than that. You know, any th- bigger than what I could have imagined it being. To be honest, <laughs> um, I think really naively, you know, went into it thinking, okay, we just we just need to make a space where we can reduce single-use waste, and we need to have X, Y, and Z uh, because these are things we can't get waste-free right now. So. And then I'm sure other people will be interested too. And, you know, we went into it quite, quite naively, I would say, uh, with a vision to, like I said, bring this toolkit to life. And uh, it's grown significantly since that point. And, um, you know, I think we've, you know, we, we just keep getting more and more inspired as it goes. So it's it's really cool.
2: So you said in the it, it got started because you were inspired and you wanted to do more. So, when you talked about wanting to do more. Why? Why did you th- feel like you had to do more? What kind of led you to? What led you to that part? Yeah, I guess we should start from the beginning, hey. <laughs>
1: um, so, you know, as a, I was working as an RN in the emergency room uh, for the past decade, I would say a little, yeah, about a decade. At that point, um, I had just had my first son and was wrapping up my master's degree in public health and. Uh, you know, I started paying more attention to the fact that my garbages were always filled with plastic. Like that's all there ever was. It was, you know, and not just there, but everywhere. (laughs) It was in the emergency department is where it really is really became apparent to me. And uh, I got to a point where I was like, looking at bottles and seeing full garbage cans full of plastic bottles that you know, I was told don't get recycled and there was nothing that we could do about it. And, you know, it just started weighing really heavy on me. And as I was finishing my masters and I just brought this little new human into the world, I started wondering what I could do different. You know, I was I, I just started thinking about, okay, how can I how can I live a little differently to make sure that there's this beautiful place that I'm experiencing, uh, left for my son, you know, when he gets older and as our other children, now that we have, um, get older, you know, it's, I started just thinking of it in terms of what was I doing to make the world a better place? (laughs) Like that's the fundamental, the fundamental aspect of it. And, um, yeah. And so from that, it just sort of spiraled, you know, we started, we started with a few, um, Masters of Public Health uh, students that were working uh, doing their pra- practic, I guess practicum. I was I was on mine as well, and we just started talking like, hey, why don't we just ask restaurants to, you know, reduce their single use waste? Like, what if we say, hey, can you ask people if they need it instead of just automatically putting it in their ta- the takeout bags uh, since it's going home anyway? <laughs> um, and we started talking about that, and it just sort of spiraled into this thing called Plastic Free Greater Sudbury. And what we started thinking about was, how do we make it marketable? How do we make it so that people want to engage with it so that they are inspired and interested? And it's not just this sort of, you know, at the time, this was a few years ago now, and, it, you know, people sort of see see movements in the green world, as I say, like as radical, right? Because it makes people question their everyday life and question the things that they're used to doing and comfortable doing without having to think about it, Right. Um, But as soon as we sort of ask people, hey, can you, you know, think about what you're buying and how you're buying it and what you're using it for, sometimes people can get a little bit like, "Ah, I don't want to (laughs) change. So I'm just going to pretend I didn't hear it or see it. And so we really put a focus on making it relatable to be like, hey, yeah, there's no such thing as perfect there. Even for me, you know, somebody who's helped develop this, like there's no such thing as perfect in this world yet. You know, it's too difficult to be completely completely zero waste. Um, and so the idea is just to look at what you can do, make make it the changes that are sustainable for you, that you can sustain and uh, and go from there. So with Plastic Free kind of moving forward, we, we were able to get, you know, more than a dozen local schools and a number of restaurants and businesses to uh, reduce, you know, pick three things that they could reduce. So the goal was like, oh, we're going to, instead of offering plastic spoons to stir, we're going to just have some metal ones here. That'll be one change. Uh, you know, the next change, the other change we'll commit to is like reducing, we won't just automatically put napkins in people's bags and, and stuff. We'll, we'll say you have to ask for it, you know, and um, or even just removing individual sugar packets, you know, and and having like the refillable ones. So that would be say three things that a a business would commit to. And then we'd give them like a decal for their window. And you may see the decals in some areas of the city. It's called, and it's still, a lot of people still have, it was called pledge for, for Sudbury. So from that, what we, what we were learning at the markets and stuff was that people didn't have the tools though, to reduce waste, and we we're like, we're here. We are like telling people, "Hey, you can do it. Like, let's 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 just be a little more mindful with these things." And people were like, "Yeah, but like half the stuff in my garbage is from X, Y, and Z, and like there's nowhere to refill it or nowhere to even right get it." And so here we were, kind of at a loss because we're like, "All right, we don't have the tool. People don't have the toolkit they need to make these changes." And so um, with our relatable approach, you know, the nickel refillery was born as as that place to be the toolkit so yeah
2: well that's that's great i didn't know that whole uh the backstory in that uh the plastic free sudbury thing that's really cool and and the way you said it, it exactly uh to me is something that like once once you get it you kind of like oh that makes so much sense like a lot of the different stuff that we have that are single-use plastics if you want to talk about just just for having more plastic like out in the dump and, and wherever it's going to be right like it's It just doesn't make any more, any sense to do that. And like when you're saying that too, it also makes me wonder like, you know, why we started moving to so much more plastic. Like you think about say like beer bottles, we still Mm -hmm. wash those all the time. Why do we have Coca-Cola and plastic bottles? Like, couldn't we have kept doing the glass bottles? Like I would guess probably a lot of them get broken in shipping and there's probably like, you know, there's some kind of like logistical, like kind of explanation for it. Oh, for sure. But you got to kind of think like, how many times can you reuse that bottle? You must be able to reuse it a lot. And then it's much easier to melt down glass and repurpose it than it is to do with a lot of plastics, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Like there's
1: a lot of pieces to this puzzle. And I'll tell you just because over the year, over these years of the, with the refillery I've learned a lot. Um, and here's, here's like a couple of questions to think about. So like you, you think of the Coca-Cola bottle. Okay. And you can, there's a lot of reasons why they would have gone to plastic, right. And, and not only because plastic's cheap, right. Really easy to produce, quick to produce, um, low cost in all aspects, um, aside from the environmental, obviously, um, it's cheap to ship, right. Because like, shipping drinks is already heavy right like water like fluids mm. are are heavy to ship so you throw in the the weight of a glass bottle on top of that that's even more mm. right and so more costs for shipping also more emissions right and it is something we have to be mindful of when we go all glass right in the sense that it is it is a bigger carbon footprint to make glass there's no question um compared to plastic um, but that's only looking at that one angle right it's not looking at the fact that like plastic is petroleum derived right it's coming from carbon so i think i think there's a lot of angles to look at these problems and that's what makes them so complicated there's there's pros and cons to so many of these of these of these issues so um here's the other question that you have to think about with the coca-cola thing right so they want to ref- they we want to keep these glass bottles for refilling what but like where do they get refilled with coca-cola like If you don't have that locally or regionally, like where where does it go, and where do you do you have to ship it to another country to get it refilled? Like, would that make sense, right, emission wise? Right. So so there's there's a lot of question marks with that, Um, and and so you can see why the plastic made sense, right? It was like cheap and efficient to ship, and people could just chuck it out, and they're not really at a loss, right? The company doesn't have a loss at that point. Um, and here's the, you know, the biggest challenge though, is that it leaves the people with an environmental crisis, um, so that they can keep the money in their pockets. Right. And I think that's something we really have to think about, um, when we're buying products, what do we want to support? What kind of world do we want to live in and what kind of world do we want to, to, um, put our money into right and when we buy these plastic coca-cola bottles like i mean we're all at the mercy of whatever's available to us that's the cello challenge right (laughs) so if someone wants coca-cola and the only option for them is in plastic it's either you're going to refuse it or you're going to buy maybe the biggest bottle you know to try to reduce a few of the smaller ones but it's it there's a there's always that trade-off right and and so it's tough
2: yeah yeah i mean that's a, that's another thing like when you started talking about the real logistics of it there like that's something you don't really consider because like the 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 better case scenario i guess for use especially when it comes to glass mm-hmm. is exactly like how it is at the nickel refillery right where you come in with your glass jar and i mean if you take care of that jar i guess you could use it your whole life mm-hmm. totally and and, that- and i mean you know hand it down to the next generation <laughs> yeah <laughs> this this is great grandmother's laundry detergent job <laughs>
1: what's really funny is like, we definitely have had customers come in and say like, you see this, or we'll admire a bottle and they'll be like, this was my mom's bottle. And we've always loved it. We always wanted to put it to use. And here we are. Now we're putting our maple syrup in it every week. We, you know, we put a little bit of alcohol through it, cleaned it out. And like, now it's going to go on for forever, you know? And, and so it's really cool because these stories sort of come from bottles as well. It's not just this, one thing it's like i find that's really part of the community that's developed in the refillery is that like there's these stories behind everything everybody's doing and the bottles they're using and the reasons they're refilling and i i just find that to be the most inspiring part of what we're doing to be honest is the sense of community that's been built through this through this place it's so much more than a retail shop and that was always the goal because um, this, this place was not built to be like, it it is a business obviously, but it was Mm -hmm. built from passion and from change drive, you know, change making. And I think that's, that's really what hopefully emulates throughout the, the space, you know, when people are shopping as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, there's a lot of aspects to look at and a lot of angles to look at when we're doing this. But, um, when you look at a refillery, Uh, That is why we put the focus so heavily on reusing. And it's because um, when we look at buying new and even, you know, tapping into what's already, what's tapping into what's already there is the only, right? Even when it comes to plastics, like we, we try to educate customers even about, sometimes we'll bring in recycled plastics and people will say, oh, well, that's plastic still. Um, and we tell them, you know, the, the reason we do that, like, it's sort of the solution to plastic is through plastic. <laughs> in my in my humble opinion, I'm, I may be wrong here, but there's so much of it at this point that I don't know how what other, you know, there's got to be other ways. But in my humble opinion, I think that a big way to get out of it through it, right, is to figure out how to use it to our advantage. And that might be using it in infrastructure. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what, but plastic—it's here forever. So we're gonna need to figure out some pretty innovative solutions to, uh, to to get rid of it, or to at least find a purpose for it, right?
0: Even with the real. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, and I was just thinking about like even just on a small scale at your house, what you can do with it. Like we uh, follow somebody, this pure gardener, and she uses plastic uh, yogurt cups or K cups to put her seedlings. Yeah. So she's she's using it right, so it's good. It's a good point when you said. Like it's here, so what are we gonna do with it?
1: Exactly, and and you know, I I, I hate going down sort of that that tunnel where it's like talking about the negatives of plastic because it's like I I want to assume most people know that plastic's a problem at this point, right? It's not it's not just the waste aspect; it's the toxicity of it too, right? It's the fact that it's derived from petroleum and made with a lot of synthetic chemicals, right? And So when we're using it and it's slowly degrading, like it's going somewhere, right? (laughs) Like it's not, we may not be drinking, Mm -hmm. but it's going into our soils. It's going into our water streams. I don't, you know, it's going into our air. It's, it's in every aspect of everything. I mean, there are research studies, you know, that say that they found it in salt at this point. Like it's, it's so far spread, right? That if we don't start, you know, paying attention to how we shop and where we're putting our money into, um, and, or what kind of, um, initiatives we're putting our money into, um, to make these changes and to, um, sustain these changes, then, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be left with like quite a problem and we already have one. So, um, let's like, look at how this new type of economy, a circular economy can help, support not only the community the environment but also the economy it's you know there are a lot of this aspects to this movement that are are bigger than just reducing waste um there's lots of research out there even in canada that says you know it's good for the economy because we're going to be making more jobs with this innovation that we have to do right so reducing mm-hmm. recycling there's a number of different avenues that we can tap into for for job and economic growth um and obviously the environment is a big one but um community as well, right? Less food waste, sense of support, knowledge sharing, all of those things are fostered when people come together to make change. And I've seen that firsthand, and we see it every day at the refillery. And um, it's really the main reason we're still here (laughs) is that sense of community, I think. So,
2: yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it does seem like there's definitely people who, like you, they want to do a little more, right? And then that, that's where we kind of tried to help with the podcast a little bit is like maybe because we had a lot of questions too and we figured oh like these people seem to have answers to a lot of these questions that we have right definitely so we talk to people and, and and get some of these answers to some of these questions and then the other thing with the, the community part that you mentioned too uh, another thing that really strikes me about the refillery every time I've went in there very very friendly and also too like you go in there and usually especially if it's not like too busy yeah. you know, someone will someone come up and say hey do you want like a hand to help you fill up your stuff yeah. and then it's like two minutes your stuff is full and like you're out the door and Sophia mentioned something that I hadn't really considered before but she said like you know it might be kind of intimidating for a person going to like a refillery because it's like what do I do when I'm here like how do I do like you know <laughs> like totally and, <laughs> you know, have a bottle yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, we like, that's definitely something we come across a lot. Like, um, even in the day to day, you know, and I'm just kind of out and about and people are like, Oh, so, so what do you do? You know, (laughs) and I'm trying to, I sometimes have to explain it to people. And the problem is that when you're in it, right? And just like, I'm sure your experience, like when you're in it, and you're doing all the research, and you're, you're living it day to day, you just assume everybody knows it, right? And everybody must have heard of it and, and knows of what, you know, but um yeah what we realize is that it's actually a fairly foreign concept to most people until they come in and experience it and so we're quite aware of that we really pay attention to that fact and and have some ideas for people when they first come in so we often tell people just to walk around the first time just to get a sense of like what we actually do there and um not to even shop you know not to buy anything but just to sort of take it all in because there is a lot there and um, we, we're always expanding and trying to tap into other areas of, of life to, to help people support to support and reduce the waste that they might be accumulating. So, um, you know, from food to personal care to DIY to, you know, anything. So, yeah, with that said, um, it can be quite intimidating for people who have never, ever even thought of it, right? But mm-hmm. the beauty of this circular economy and movement is that once you know, it's very difficult to unknow. <laughs> <laughs> because mm-hmm. you start to see it or you can't help but pay attention to the plastic and the waste that, you, that that comes off of all this all the different products you buy and people start to you know come in and a lot of times they'll say well you know i had heard about it but i was a little on, on the edge but after garbage day like i just can't do this anymore i need to have some i need some ideas here and i need something that you know fits within my budget or something that fits within my lifestyle or i have four kids and i don't know how i'm supposed to manage this right and so I think it's important to keep that conversation going because we all come from such different walks of life and there is a level of intimidation for any of us that, that have to make those kind of changes in our life, right? When we're used to such a convenient sort of lifestyle, right? And suddenly you have to be a little more mindful. Um, but I think the goal of the refillery is to not, not put that pressure on people to change every aspect all at once, right? It's all about slow Tra- slow mindful transition right and and a lot of times i just tell people to start with dish soap <laughs> i find mm-hmm. this one um you know it's the one that you can most people can afford to get a little bit of dish soap to try out and if it works for them then it becomes a bit of a domino effect where they're like well what else could i do and what else can i do and um we do try to find ways to explain to people that the best benefit of refilling is that you don't have to fill your jar you don't ha- it doesn't have to be full um, you don't have to get a full bottle of something to try it. Uh, you you can try a little bit of everything and see what you like. Or say you're a little low on cash for a week and you just need a little bit to get you through. Like get what you can afford or get what you need, because not only does it become more affordable at that in that way, um, it becomes so you have less waste if you don't like it or if you know you you know if, or if it's not for you or you're allergic to something, right? So there's so many benefits of being able to try things out and get just what you need. So I find that once we have that conversation, people get a, little, a lot less intimidated because there's the pressure to fill it all the way. Isn't there anymore? It's like, Oh, I could just try a little bit. I never thought of that, you know? So mm-hmm. that's the key is just tapping into what people need out of their lifestyle. Like I often ask people like, Oh, well, how, do you have any kids? Do you have, what's your life like? Like what kind of things do you use every day? And so I think it's, it's all about getting people to, Uh, utilize the team to the best that they can you know ask the questions send us an email uh, you know I find that's that's the key to success here
0: yeah I also find uh what I do myself is I go on your website because that usually seems pretty updated so then uh like recently I wanted to get a new kind of shampoo for a little one so I typed in shampoo baby okay they have one so then okay Jordan can you stop in after work I'd like to try that so that's a really easy way to do it too where um, you could type in what you're looking for and then be able to see all the information right there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You could check out the website and just scroll, you know, see what we have that you don't want to, mm-hmm. you don't have to come in and figure it out. Cause there's always little things that are hidden. Right. So, um, yeah, that's exactly the group. That's the best way. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then the other thing too, that you were talking about, um, where it's like, you know, you talk to people and it's like, you know, well, have you considered this little thing or you consider this little thing where it's like, you know, there might be something in their life that they've never even thought of the fact that they're throwing something out all the time. Right. Totally. Like if it's like, uh, if uh, like, I don't know, I, I, you just, when you start thinking that way, like it, I don't know where I'm kind of getting with that, but it's like, yeah, it, um,
1: it's mindfulness. That's what it is. It's like, yeah, you, you go to a mindful place where some- you even if you aren't ready to change it you're paying more attention than you used to be i think that's that's the key is that most of us i think until you start thinking about waste you just sort of just do it you just buy things as you need them you, you throw it away if you don't want it It just it just you know it's mindless sort of right it's just part of life um until but then when you start paying attention to the things you're buying and how much of it is and like you're looking at gram weight and you're like oh per gram it's that oh geez the one i've been buying is like five times that per gram. I never even thought of it, but it came in this cute little bottle and it looked like it was a reasonable price. But, um, you know, and and so I think it just makes people more mindful of their purchasing habits. And uh, there's never going to be a negative to that, right? Whether you end up refilling or not, I think being a mi- more mindful consumer is, is is really the key to getting us out of the challenges we have with over-consumerism and um, just that that constant crisis of waste that we're seeing, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So wherever it leads people, I think it'll be a, a, a benefit to be more mindful.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And like really thinking about like that, uh, but the like buying by the gram and all that kind of thing, when you break it down to like, because then you're thinking about your actual consumption, right? And you start thinking about it in those sort of terms, it makes a lot more sense. And it kind of it, well, it puts you in the right place to make less waste, because you're going to only get what you need kind of thing, right? Exactly. And if you start thinking about like, you know, what do I actually need? What what am I actually buying? And that kind of thing. Like those those types of decisions, they're going to be less waste, right? And yeah, I mean, like you got to kind of think about that. Like how much stuff ends up in the landfill, even from like, say, on the grocery end of things, right? Like you, you buy a bunch of food or whatever and you think you're going to eat it. But, you know, really, you're not a person who actually eats that many strawberries. You only actually need like five strawberries. I mean, yeah. Mind you, when you're going to, like, a bulk store, usually you're not buying, like, fresh stuff. You're buying, like, you know, uh, dried stuff. But the same principle holds, right? I mean, that stuff usually has a better shelf life, but still. Exactly. And, and like, even for us, too, because we started buying, um, like, our meat locally and stuff, too, we're thinking now, like, how much meat do we need for a year? We don't think, like, oh, we need a steak for the weekend or whatever. And then – yeah. And, and then also too, like in a little way, I guess, of reducing waste, like, you know, it's the way it's wrapped up and stuff like that is like paper and stuff like that, that you can like, it It breaks down. It's not like styrofoam and all that other stuff. Right. So like, that's kind of a step in the right direction too. It is. I mean, there's some cellophane in there, but I mean, you can't really get away from, you know, it's still meat. Right.
1: Well, that's it. You know, and and here's like, that's the thing you can't, it, well, I mean, some, maybe you can in some places of the world, but it's, it's difficult to, be perfect at all angles right like when you're thinking about it am i getting food that's closer to home by farmers who are of my community and um, am i helping support you know x y and z labor force by getting the food through them as well and supporting like you know science north having the market there and um you know and am i spreading it on my social media to get other people and other community members aligned like you got to look at all those benefits too right it's not always a Single-use waste, right? Sometimes these other other issues, like reducing emissions, right? Um, supporting local and and your support and you're supporting your fellow community members is also of equal importance. It's just different, mm-hmm. right? So it's difficult to check all the boxes every time, right?
0: <laughs> so yeah, well, you even mentioned it earlier about uh, where your money is going, right? Like yeah, uh, who's getting your money? Like you could buy your Coca-Cola, like we were saying. Or there's there's companies businesses that uh, are more local, like you're saying, and then basically you're supporting their family, you're supporting the community that way. Exactly. Encourage your friends to develop
1: something, right? Like like there's all these cool avenues that can come from us refusing something like a Coca-Cola bottle. It's like, oh, but I really love that fizzy taste. I wish somebody, I wish I could get this local man. Like somebody could get inspired from that idea and go and create a, a whole business for themselves that, that we can now tap into locally, right? Like from these desires, because it's all about like demand and, right? So when, yep. people, when there's a need for something, usually people will create it, right? So if if we start, people start requesting something locally that we can't get, like oftentimes there's inspiration that comes from that and, and innovation that comes from that. So. Um, yeah, I, th- I I really do encourage people like if, you know to to talk about these things right with other people because that's where ideas come from, and yeah, it's 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 the key to to I think uh, local sustainability because
2: uh, yeah yeah <laughs> well then I I like. Sometimes I wonder, you know, when we, like, we started doing the podcast, you know, we wonder if we're being effective and all that kind of stuff, and maybe we're not always checking all the boxes, and maybe we're not doing a lot, but we're, I think we're in the same spirit of what you're saying, is we're, we're trying to expose people in the area that are more local and local-oriented, and we're, we're trying to help promote people in those kind of ways and help out with that, so we, we try to do our own little, our own little part, and, like, that's... I, I, I like to hear too from what you're saying. It sounds to me like a lot of people are doing their little part, right? Mm-hmm. And like what we're doing, anybody can do what we're doing. We're just we're just two people who decided one day like we wanted to talk about localism. We wanted to talk about self-reliance. We want to talk about growing your own food, you know. And then and and like how you pointed out too, when you talk about say uh, reducing waste, it relates to all these other different things. And so like when we got into thinking about like, you know, self-reliance or this kind of thing, health comes right along with that. And then it's like, you know, what are you eating? And then back to your plastic thing too. uh, In some cases, when it comes to the plastic wrapping that we are uh, using for our foods, we are actually eating some parts of those plastic that are breaking down, right? And when it comes to even some of our, uh, I guess you call it beauty care products or health, uh, those kind of things, there's a lot of plastics that are in there. And then on top of that, in some cases, there's a lot of chemicals in there too that are having negative effects on your hormone levels.
1: Yeah, like and then that's exactly. Yeah, right. go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you're exactly right. I'm just agreeing. Yeah,
2: totally. Yeah, because it, it's like all these things all kind of radiate out. Because that's the other thing too. Like when you're you're going to the refillery too, not only are you usually reducing waste because you're using reusing your container you're tending to get something that's more along the natural spectrum or at least um, using chemicals that are more agreeable to sort of human biology, which again, a step in the right direction, right? And like, I like to think those are all kind of little parts that we transitioned uh, into doing more sort of by exposure to the store too. It's like, we're like, oh, you know, we could probably start getting one of these things and oh, we kind of want to get this stuff anyway too. So then, oh, now we're getting the soap. Now we're getting that. And now if you think about it, like, if it has an effect, we haven't really used anything other than like natural soap and shampoo for a few years now. Uh, and it's like, I, I would assume that has like a good effect because whatever the detrimental effect of the other products we were using is gone now. And from what I understand, in, in some circumstances, it can be basically epigenetic. So you can actually pass on some of these small changes to your children if like say you're using that product when you're pregnant or whatever, or even when you conceive and
1: breastfeed, things like that, right? They find a lot of this stuff, right? So I I think it's, you know, and it all just comes back to mindful creation and mindful consumption and stuff, right? So when we source our products, you know, we we sort of have this checkbox, right? We're like, okay, where is it made? Who is it made by? Like, can we have a conversation with these people? Like, do we, like, uh, what are their employment standards? Like, Like, where is the stuff being created? Is it local? Is it... Where do they get the materials? Like, you know, for example, something that's always kind of sad on my mind was like bamboo toothbrushes, right? Like, and I I, I just have to bring it up. Like, obviously we sell them because they are an, they're an optimal, you know, they're a great alternative to the plastic ones. But it's like, I always question because I'm like, well, the bamboo definitely isn't grown in Canada, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it comes from China. That's where it's, it's typically grows and where it's going to be most cost effective to, to do it. And we had a team member, you know, bring up recently. She was like, you know, what? you know, these, like these bamboo ones are made in China. And I was, and we had a big conversation about it because I said, yeah, you're right. Like they are. And we know that, but let's look at this, this as a, as a, as a, okay. So we have this as an, a question, right? So what is what do we want to ask the distributor? Like what are some things that we would be worried about? Okay. Well, where is it manufactured in China? Is there any oversight? You know, like what are the what kind of standards do you have in place and transparency standards do you have in place to help make sure that we're not supporting something that wouldn't be within our ethical or value system, right? And most of the well, I would say all the distributors that we bring in have that level of transparency with their with their companies that they're employing, right? So Some of the some of them actually have gone as far as starting to use materials from Canada and create wooden toothbrushes, like Ola Bamboo, for example, in Quebec, because they are also recognizing that, like, yes, it's sure it's an alternative, but is it an optimal alternative? Is there a better Mm -hmm. way of doing it and a more sustainable way of doing it that could be more transparent and easily, like, easier to be transparent about, right? Because. Obviously, if we're not in the same country of where it's being made, how can you have perfect oversight? It's impossible.
2: Yeah.
1: So you know, you can be told things. You can be you know, and there's a certain level you may be able to oversee, but uh, it's never going to be perfect, right? So we we look more for like, how do we really know? And we ask those difficult questions to distributors, and it can be really uncomfortable sometimes, you know. And mm-hmm. that's that's what we always want to do. We want to strive to do that, and. We want people to feel that when they come into the store, that they can trust the products they're using because we've done all that hard work for them. So obviously we don't get it perfect every time. And we learn things or things change, but we always are going to be humble and recognize that, you know, we, we aren't perfect at this, just like we don't expect anybody else to be in terms of customers, but we're always going to do our, our best to help make sure that it's an easier process to tap into the zero waste toolkit. Um, because we also recognize that it can't all be on the consumer, like the, like the Coca-Cola problem, right? Like, so because this company wants to pocket more money and pump out their Coca-Cola, they've chosen this avenue and this is all we can choose. Like, why would we blame the consumer for that? <laughs> right. Or expect yeah. for to make changes when it's not them making those decisions. Right. So I think there needs to be a level of accountability on the distributors and like the places we get our meals and our drinks and stuff from to make those changes that make it easier for consumers to make changes and to live their daily life in convenience, right? Without it being this chronic sort of inconvenient thing to make change, right? So I think this, I think the future of circo- the circular economy, especially locally, is like to get people who produce waste you take some level of accountability for it and to help make it easier for the consumer to make those easier choices, those good choices. Right. And that might be oh, that- a metal spoon instead of having plastic ones, like make it easier. Right. So
2: especially Yeah. You- and- the, and, and like you're saying there, too, the other part that I definitely like about that is the, the localism. The other other thing is the oversight part, too, right? Like you do know the closer it is to home, the easier it is to know like, oh, yeah, I know they have like good working standards there. Because like say in Canada, we have we have like we have our standards of exactly what is safe in a workplace and what's not and all that. Like we ha- I think we have a good setup for that. So we know that when it comes to people working in Canada, most, I can't say 100% of the time, right? But, you know. For most of what we know, people are working in, in safe, respectable conditions, right? And then in lots of other countries, with well, a lot of things that we're consuming, that isn't the case, right? And so... never know. Right. Well, so, but because it, it actually, uh, to me, brings up another interesting question, because it's like, say, in the toothbrush case, like, you need toothbrushes, and you're trying to find, like, a better sourced, less waste toothbrush. But in the case of, like, say, something like a Coca-Cola, you might be thinking, like, well, it's a single-use plastic and all that kind of stuff. But also, is this thing good for me at all? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, oh, maybe it kind of makes me feel good or whatever else for a little bit. And you could maybe make that argument and then the indulgence and all that kind of stuff, whatever. But it's like, you know, you got to think, is this good for me? Is this something I really want to be a part of? Because, like, even when you're consuming stuff, like, we're a super technological society. And think about how, like, there is a sort of drive in a way for, like, people to buy a new phone every year think about like, you know, the amount of waste we're creating with that. And that is very toxic material that we're dealing with there. Right. And that, that all kind of radiates out even from when you start asking questions about your consumption, you know, what am I consuming? And what are the ripple out effects of that? Because like, like for me, I guess I'm kind of lucky where I haven't really cared about having like a new phone since I was probably a teenager. Like when, cause I remember when like, when like when we first got like text messaging like that was the coolest thing like I was from a small town so we got it kind of late too Mm. but like it was like oh you had to have the text messaging and then the smartphones and it was like oh well now I can play a cool game on here you got to have that and then you kind of you kind of get the game after a while like oh no this phone is now just the same as this next phone and the next phone and the next phone I don't need to buy a new phone totally right but but some people they still think like because there's also a status attached to it and all these other things but it's like I don't know. I I I think like like how uh, it's kind of been a theme, I guess. How there's all these things are interrelated because I think when you start thinking about how much do I eat, how much do I waste, all this other kind of stuff, then you start thinking about you know, do I need the phone? Do I need another car? Like, say, yeah. Say if uh, we took like now this has a sort of economic downside to it, but like from the environmental thing of it, like do do manufacturers of cars and trucks say do they really like change the truck that that much from year to year to like warrant like, you know, making new models all the time? Where you could think like, say you make like a solid model and you make that same model for like 5, 10 years, right? And then you also have like the part market and stuff like that, which now we're talking about recycling already, right? Because it used to be even for as bad as the old gas guzzlers were, you could keep one of those old vehicles on the road for 50, 60 years and for cheap. So like it was good for people who didn't have a lot of money, right? And it was sort of recycling in a sense because that that steel that steel frame truck is still rolling around, still carrying people, still doing its job. Yeah. Now, mind you, of course, you want the the better gas engine or not a gas engine or you know you it's it's all the the reduction. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: but, you said you grew up in a small town. Like I think it's it's common to like I grew up in a small town too, and a lot of a lot. of Growing up had like kind of older trucks, right? And what I when, when I think back, almost all of them had the skills to fix their own trucks as well. Like they almost everyone in their in their garages were like it's very uncommon, I feel, to see that, at least in a city aspect. I don't I don't see that like in my own neighborhood at all. Um, not to say it doesn't happen, obviously a lot of people still have those skills, but the fact is like it's it's become easier
2: to just sort of trade it out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well our yeah. our whole uh, our whole mindset is sort of around that now. Cause like I know for older people, like my grandmother especially, everything is like still good, you could still fix it, like she doesn't throw out anything. Yeah. And like nowadays it's like your shirt gets a little hole in it, you just throw it out. Like, you know, you get like whatever whatever it is that you have now, you don't you don't you don't fix it, you just throw it out. You get a new one. But it's all it's partly because everything's so cheap, right? So like there is no real value in that thing anymore where you think like why would you take the time to patch a hole in a, a pair of jeans it's like well cuz another pair of jeans cost too much it's it,
1: but, it's like it's time right it's like people are like well is it worth me sitting here for an hour to fix this or should i just spend the 5.99 and buy a new one right and it's it becomes like the cost been a cost opportunity right almost like people people are like well my time is worth more doing x y and z than it is with this Mm -hmm. and it's the fast consumerism it's that fast fashion it's the and and like it can really go on for a mil it could go on forever like and that's that's part of the challenge i think of this of the zero waste movement is that it never it doesn't stop and end anywhere it's not like you can start talking about the one thing and then it's sort of like okay you can get the knowledge and then it's like done and then we can like work within that field it's like it taps into every aspect of our lives in every area every angle every direction um and nothing is untouched by this this movement right and it's such a grand scale of change that we're looking at here that it can feel very what was it um I, I had heard someone locally I was talking to a professor listen, he said, eco grief, he called it, it was like, you know, it almost becomes like, a sense of, um, people will get this level of eco grief before even before they even try anything, because it's just such a large topic. It's like, it's like climate change and stuff, right? It's like, it's these, it's these big topics that feel so overwhelming, that it's like, as a human, you just almost need to, you want to like huddle in place, because you're like, it's just too big. I can't like, and people will just often check out because they're like I just I can't mentally take it it's too too big too wide scale for me so what we basically try to do with the refillery is like to make it fun we try to make this engaging and, and supportive and inclusive and it, it it changed the tone of it being from okay well everybody needs to do this and everybody we got to do that and we got to got to fix this and we got to we got to we got to it's like we all, we, we over there, you know, we all have that understanding, but we try to make it relatable and we try to help people take one step at a time and just become a little more mindful because when we become mindful, we become more mindful of everything. It's not just one thing we become mindful of. And even just, even when it comes to like growing food, growing our own food, like I'm sure that has changed you both significantly, right? Being more mindful of like how you, how food grows and what you're doing and how you're doing it. And I'm sure like the planning of it and the preparation is just such an incredible thing. Right. And not to say it's always fun. I'm sure, (laughs) I'm sure there's some major challenges, but you know, the mindfulness of it is what makes us all change. Like you shop now, you know, I don't know if you were shopping at the refillery before or after, but oftentimes these small changes in our life can, can be like, complete domino and catapult effects to changing our lives in many other positive ways. Um, And yeah, so I, that's what my, my overall hope is for, for this refillery. And and there's always a big vision behind it to try to make it better and easier to manage and uh, easier to shop in, you know, like I know we're a pretty small space there. So hopefully, you know, we can, we can grow one day and make it a little more easy for families to come in and shop. But um, in the, you know, I just, I just hope we can tap into people's, uh, you know, resilience in this challenging time we're living in and, uh, and, and just like give some joy and and give people a reason to do a little happy dance as they walk out with their, you know, new bottles, old bottles, whatever it is. Uh, I think, I think there's joy in that. And, and it does feel good to refill. I, we, that's the one thing we have all, all feel even to this day, three, you know, three years later, I still feel incredible joy walking out with my box of like, of jars, even though it's such a normal thing for me every day to do. I still feel quite a level of like accomplishment when I can get home and put it into my cupboard and, you know, know that I, I reduced all those things. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, the other thing that kind of, uh, I was just thinking about when you are talking about that, cause you're talking about the mindful living in that aspect. The other thing that I think that does is it, it, it re sort of, um, invite it enlivens sort of everything in your life again. Like your are everything in your life now, becomes a little more special right because it's like that's that's that that's the your thing that thing right it's like it, it, it now has a personality that kind of thing and it's it's partly your have part of your personality on it right but now everything in your life starts to take on much more meaning because it's an essential part of your life now right? So, like, it's not just some container that you pour the soap out of or whatever. It's like, no, I need to grab my soap container. Because now you, your relation to the object is entirely different. Yeah. You would never say, I need to grab my laundry detergent. Yeah. You would yeah. say, I need to grab the laundry detergent, right? So, now you're taking ownership of everything that you're touching mm-hmm. in your life. And so, now, because I think about, like, I think a lot of times, go ahead, sorry.
0: No, I
1: said that's a great point. I think that's a big part of it, too, yeah.
2: Well, because I think a lot of times about like um, when when I, I feel like uh, there is some spirit of people where they uh, people uh, I don't know like I don't want to say they don't have hope but they 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 kind of like we're 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 kind of in a in a weird transitional period like as people right when it comes to like us becoming we're basically knocking on the door I mean we've been a global sort of people for a while now. But we're really becoming much more of that in a way we weren't before. Like we're kind of aware of it now.
1: Well, we're more aware of it, I think, than ever, especially with after post-pandemic, right? We're aware of how connected we really all are. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that totally changes everything, right? So like it's actually it's it's a huge leap is what is happening because it it changes again, like how we we're talking about the, the the relation that you have now to your soap bottle, right? the relation now that you have as like what you are, who you are and cause it used to be, you thought about who you are in relation, maybe to your town or your family or your peer group or your uh, city or your nation or whatever. And then you sort of go out to this big whole blue rock flying through space. And you're like, no, not everybody on there. Right. So <laughs> it's, I don't know. It, like It's, it's, I think like uh, it's a cool time to be in cause we're seeing a lot of this change, but it's like, I don't know what's, what's happening like now and has kind of been happening for a while. I feel like is something that has potential to set the, uh, a big tone Mm. for uh, a a few generations, probably, I think.
1: Yeah. I think there's lots of hope there still for sure. And, and, you know, I think what's the alternative, right? Like, what's the, like, what's the alternative? Like we all just throw up our hands and say like, well, (laughs) well, Like, no, that's not an option. Like, that's not what we're here for, right? Um, you know, preserving the environment is fundamental, right? It's, it's an, a fundamental part of, of who we are. It's where the natural resources necessary for us to eat, drink, everything are from. So, like, us not preserving it isn't an option. Like, it's the fact that we haven't been is it's sort of mind-boggling right and and so it's like now that we know we can't we can't let ourselves unknow we need to do something about it so whether that's from a consumer point of view there's always something we can do as consumers right that where our money goes is what is what drives change right so um as consumers are you know you obviously have a big say in that what you demand is what will come right just like the coca-cola local pop kind of situation right it's if there's enough demand, some, something will change. So, um, with that said, there's always that aspect of our consumerism, but then there's also the, the aspect of the distributors and like what we demand from them. So, if we're demanding it, it will come. It's just yeah, it, it, people, our voices have to get louder, you know, and we all have to try to take that take that leap of faith and that that make that that minor change to start that domino effect from happen to happen, right? To start happening. So, um, yeah, I think. I definitely think for me, you know, having, having kids has made that a lot more loud because I, I hear them when they see a problem and they're like, Oh, why, why is that plastic? Why is that on the ground? Or, Oh, oh when I get older, I'm going to do, you know, and, and it just become makes me acutely aware of how important it is to do this preservation pro- process and um, to keep that education and knowledge flowing and yeah. And to just not lose hope, you know, cause there is lots of hope still. So
2: yeah. And like, and I think too, for having kids, like you, you, you start having like a different time reference, right? Because like, 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 even when you're watching the kids grow up and stuff like that, like your relation to how you experience time is totally different too. Like you almost kind of like, you don't even think in t- terms of your own years. You're like, oh yeah, that's when, uh, that's when my kid was this old. Totally. <laughs> yeah you don't think about it like when i was this old you're like oh they were this old It's like well how old were you is like oh christ i don't know well, <laughs> how old are you i'm this much older than you so <laughs> all the time right? like it yeah how old were you, you
1: you know and I mean, how old were you when you had Mar- you know margo or something and i'm like i don't remember <laughs> like i
2: <laughs> it's
1: tracked for sure it's yeah
2: but then you're thinking about the future right and you're thinking about like you know well hey where does our food come from and are we able to keep taking food from that place we could take our food from? And like, you know, how do we maximize the probability of that being a chance in the future? Right. And I think, I don't know, like some people think maybe we're kind of behind the ball or we're like slow or we're not enough in, in, in time. Hmm. I, I feel like, but there is like, I think like to the hope point, right. People are making changes. People are becoming aware of it. There is, there. it's a lot more now than it was 10 years ago. And like, even, even, like, just, just, like, it's, yeah, like, it just seems so silly once you start thinking about, it. you're like, okay, we all have to live on this planet, this planet has to be healthy, because, like, it's, like, this is our terrarium, we can't, we can't be, like, shitting in our terrarium and not cleaning it up. Oh no, <laughs> no. <Wait. laughs> we're, we're, we're messy, what we are is we're messy, we're, we're humans, we create problems, but that's good, because we also need something to do. Yeah. So, we need. You know, we've got something to fix uh, yeah, yeah we need projects yeah but so, it's, yeah i it's, think we got to pretend we got we got a lot of work to do which is a good problem to have actually
0: well <laughs> even in the growing your own food aspect this year when we did our planning we really thought about the stuff we used the most like our staples so we want to do a lot of garlic a lot of onions because we ended up wanting to doing a lot of varieties previously and then we ended up having something in our fridge for a few days, almost uh, being spoiled, just because we're we're not eating that kind of food, right? It's not part of our diet, so it's really funny fun the way we're doing it this year, where it's really going to be what we're using.
1: Yeah, yeah, like you pre-plan based on
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah that you'll be able to use and want to use, right? And could find uses for so. That's so like that's so cool. That's the key, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. I I definitely, I definitely. You know that mindfulness carries into everything. After a while, like it it really is just starting somewhere. You got to start somewhere, and and then it will trickle down. You will or trickle up whatever direction. You know, whatever you end up, Mm -hmm.
0: you're
1: going to be a little more mindful of it. Um, So I yeah, I have lots of hope, and you know, I think back to over these last three years. You know, we were only four months old four or five months old when the pandemic hit you know and we didn't even know if we were like we didn't have any employees at that time we didn't even know like nobody knew what was gonna happen we were like okay so the whole world's turning to plastic again and um, (laughs) 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 you know and so we had we actually we did have one employee at the time and you know she just she was like I'm putting on my battle gear we're gonna we're gonna weather this you know and I was like okay we can do this you know and and so we just pivoted hard and we were we we worked with public health and we're like okay can we do these in, in jars and do deposit programs and yes okay and our website sucks terribly we've never we got to make an online site and that sucks too we don't even know how to do this <laughs> um but you know we did we pivoted and we were like okay we're gonna do this and still the community showed up even though we made tons of mistakes and you know our labels looked terrible and <laughs> you know we we didn't know what kind of jars to use and um, but we figured it out, and, and the community just kept showing up. And the level of hope that that gave us at the time was like, okay, we can like people care about this, people want to make change, and people are willing to be a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit inconvenienced, um, or even a lot of convenience to make this happen. It's not just us. And it's not just, um, you know, this wasn't a new concept, obviously. And I, I like to bring that back really quick, just that, you know, as we brought up, most of our, most of our grandparents have, have been known to do wonderful zero waste things every day and still do. And this isn't a new concept. It's just something that we sort of got removed from as the conveniences became so convenient. So it's sort of bringing us back to a place where we're like, okay, but why am I buying that? Do I really need it? And is how much of it do I really need, you know? And um, when it's, when we're talking about spices or DIY projects, like who really wants that stuff sitting in your cupboards going bad, right? Most of us just use a pinch or, or, you know, just a couple tablespoons of something. So anyway, just all that to to circle back, I think, you know, the fact that people showed up when it was probably the hardest to do um, says a lot about the fact that, is there and it will continue to grow if, uh, you know, if we keep fostering it and, and keep talking about it, you know, we just can't stop the conversation. So, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's exactly what it is. It's the, it's, it's showing up every day. It's, it's showing up every day and doing that little part. That's really what, that's what adds up, up to everything. Right. And it's all of us doing our own little part. And, and like you said, the the way that we get more people doing uh less or making less waste is by doing kind of like buying more from people like you say right and yeah. and like for you like people like you basically you kind of like you seeing uh demand basically and you're like, well people want to they want to do this, but they don't know where to get it and then you come in there, which is perfect entrepreneurial thinking like hey, I can facilitate that we can and the more yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And and the more that like we start to move towards that, it kind of snowballs, right? Because eventually there's gonna have to be like someone else who kind of sees what you're doing and they think, I wonder if I could kind of do what she's doing there. And then they start up another thing and that's in another part that services another community or whatever, right?
0: I believe in something you mentioned about the Coke bottle, like the person wanting that fizz and then going out and figuring something else to get that fizz. It's a really good uh way to promote entrepreneurship and it's mm-hmm. with talking to you we really get that is you're really wanting people to do better oh yeah and
1: hey the more we can get it the easier we can get stuff local the more likely we can get it in bulk too right and mm-hmm. in an affordable manner because we're not paying you know huge shipping costs from bc or something right where it where the sort of that wasteless um, mindful sort of movement has grown much bigger than here, where we are. Um, Quebec too, we we see those changes happening, you know, all over Quebec, right? And a lot a lot of our products come from Quebec and BC because they're a lot more established and. Um, And a lot of it's population too, right? The more people you have, like the more ideas and stuff that foster, but, um, and also the distances and stuff, right? Like, it's hard when things are really spread out. But I do think that the demand will create innovation. So with that said, you know, the refillery started with one employee and like some volunteer and was open like two days a week. And now we're, you know, we're up uh, around like seven to 10 employees. And so here's you know all that to say. Um, just because we're reducing waste doesn't mean that there isn't economic growth there, and this can carry into many other levels, not just here, but in in the city level. You know, having people working in those roles to do good and to find ways to reduce waste for the local econ- local community, I think, needs to happen. It can't just come from people refilling bottles. It has to be much wider scale than that, and. Um, we're hopeful that we can inspire that a little bit and the community members that shop with us are inspiring that every day, I think. So, yeah.
2: Well, on, on, on that note there uh, I'd like to say, thank you for coming and talking to us. It's definitely been uh, inspirational talking to you and it's uh, yeah, I think you're a hundred percent right. You know, people making those little, little changes and, 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 and doing the right things. That's the way to do it. Um sure. Could you tell people uh, who listen to this um, where you're at, how, how they can participate in this?
1: Uh, sure. Yeah. So um, we're, we're located at 227 Regent Street on in Sudbury, Ontario. Uh, you can check us out online at www.thenickelrefillary.ca anytime or on our social medias at, at refillery. Um, and, you know, I think the best way to support this is to just start talking about it in your own community or wherever you're located. Look and see if you have a refillery already where you are. And if you don't, maybe you can start one. <laughs> uh, we're, we're always helping people and we've helped get a, f- a number of them opened in the north already you know we were lucky that we were sort of the first ones in the northeastern ontario to get going and from that i know that there's been a number of them that have started in the north as well so um we're really happy to collaborate with people and to help support that process so yeah i encourage people to reach out and um yeah i just just keep talking about it <laughs> and thank you right, for thanks. having me <laughs> yeah no problem thank, thank you very much Wonderful.